is such an incredibly fucked up place right now. Let's scale back our goal of making it great again and settle for, let's just make the mall great again. <laughs> just start with that and get a W. And I'll tell you why it's actually a bigger win than you might think, because online shopping is killing us, psychologically and environmentally. Do you ever wonder why shopping through the mail didn't become so big until this century? Of course, the internet and smartphones made it easier, but the Sears catalog was founded in 1887. It was Amazon, just Amazon that never grew. People could have been getting everything in the mail a century and a half ago, and often with a better reason to, because there were, weren't cars that made going to the store so easy. Why didn't they? I don't know, but lately I've been seeing a lot of stories about how isolated and lonely people are. Maybe it has something to do with that. In the golden age of the mall, it was often called America's town hall, as marketplaces have always been the center of society. Yes, ours was a little tacky, but it was better than this. <laughs> Turns out ordering online is way more echo-unfriendly than driving to the store ever was. How could it not be? considering that Americans now shop by the most inefficient means humanly possible. Since we can't get our ass to go try something on and see how it actually fits and looks and feels, we order nine and send back eight. <laughs> Give any idea the ecological shit show that's caused just by making people chauffeur your pants all over town? You know, back when people still went out before brick-and-mortar stores were just for shoplifting... <laughs> people didn't shop every day. No, no. They, they made these things called shopping lists. Words that corresponded to items they needed. And then they went to the store or mall and gathered all of these items on the list at one time. As opposed to how we do it now, where robots and humans who are treated like robots pack your little bag of scrunchies in a box the size of a doghouse and deliver it to your home along with three other giant boxes, each containing one item. How can you have a thousand types of shoehorns, but only three sizes of boxes to put them in? <laughs> Where do we think all that packaging goes? We stuff it in blue bins like it's a portal to plastic heaven, but only 14% of it is actually recycled. <laughs> <laughs> 
The rest goes into landfills, incinerators, and the ocean. In 20, 2009, America's most successful investor, Warren Buffett, went big on railroads. And everyone said, Warren, you must be senile. Come on, we're living in the age of streaming and AI and Google glasses and robot dogs. Railroads? And Warren said, yeah, but after all of you are done clicking to get your garden weasels and avocado slicers, Something has to actually get it to your door. For some reason, people just don't trust a condom made by a 3D printer. Welcome back to the ATI Podcast, episode 46. Back in the saddle, Barrett Lewis here, host and my co-host. Stand by your man, Josh Wells. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you feeling? I'm doing better on the men still yet from this horrific coronavirus. Dude. That I officially finally had. I don't envy you. Yeah. I, I, I had it pretty rough. And normally I don't ever get sick. I never get the flu. Right. Never get colds. None of that stuff. I'm very fortunate to be very good health just, you know, right. naturally. Right. And uh, it whipped my ass. I had every symptom that anybody ever had. It was all split up over like five, six, seven days or so. Still dealing with a sore back pretty bad. Right, yeah. You're having a tough time getting around a little bit, but... Yeah, um, a little stiff. Yeah, it's been well over almost two weeks now since I tested positive. Damn. So, Still feeling the effects. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I, I've had I've heard that from several different people that's, you know, I th- that's going on real bad right now as well as the flu. Flu A, I think, is yeah. what they're really warning people about. As well as uh, some... Viral infections and things of that. Yeah, like RS, well. RSV, RSV, stuff like that. Right. Yep. Ian was telling me that this is my son. He's a uh, he's in seventh grade, and uh, he was telling me there was like four kids in his class, his fourth period class today, or something like that. Everybody's out sick. Oh wow. So yeah, my daughter's daycare has been kind of like that. My youngest daughter. They've been. It's normally two classes, and it's almost been one exclusively for the last two or three weeks. It's crazy man, with all the sicknesses and stuff. But yeah, so yeah, COVID is no joke, as we've talked about many times during the show. I count myself fortunate not to be on the other side of the earth. Yeah. Like some folks have found yeah. themselves with that. And once you actually have it, it, you gain a different perspective or especially depending on what type of strand that you had. But, you know, I think that's going to caveat nicely into what I did while I was sick. So, you know, there were some moments that I was kind of, you know, really zoning out. Nothing much interested me. And I thought, you know, hey, I'll throw on some episodes of the show that I didn't I personally didn't have the time to, like, you know, go back and listen to. Right. Listen to the whole thing. Right. Because yeah. of just editing and turnaround windows and release dates and right. just everything else I had going on. So between that work, the house. So I threw on the uh, presidential episode, episode 41 that we did with all the skits and stuff. Yeah. You know, and that was cold, dude. <laughs> I actually think that that's a pretty underrated episode for us. So I know and it's not a big deal. You know, if I, I, again, we approached it with a timelessness we just kind of talked about like what our political viewpoints were like right on major talking points and and did some satirical you know campaign ads and things yeah. that open business ads. the herschel walker stuff was gold oh yeah we're definitely gonna have to hit that again next yeah. year <laughs> so yeah I, I really enjoyed that episode listening to it as a listener but one thing 
that I realized in one of the points I was about to make in that discussion, no big if, you, if you'd if you heard it or not, I'm going to paraphrase it now, but we were talking about freedom of speech in, as it relates to social media. And yes, they, social media is private companies. You agree to their terms and conditions to be on their platforms. And if you violate those terms and conditions, you'd be kicked off their platforms. So right. I don't think I ever like clarified the fact that I understand why they were kicked off, you know, from the, the practical sense in that regard, as far as the people, the administrators making those options. However, there is a, I should say, a, a veil of operations that are supposed to be, you know, pro-free speech right. and things of that ilk through right. social, social media as well. And so that's kind of, I was trying to play devil's advocate too with some of the counter arguments I was having with Brandon. I mentioned I had several different viewpoints, you know, who's controlling speech, who says what's hate speech, what isn't hate speech, right. you know, those sorts of things. The big point that I didn't make, I noticed in listening to that episode that I meant to, I remember in the moment listening to it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm about to say this and I never said it, yeah. you know, and that was that I actually think, you know, allowing people like Trump on Twitter is kind of like dragging the vampires out in the sunlight. Yeah. You know, you're exposing these people. You're giving them the platform. Like, I am a thorough believer that people that are evil, of wrongdoing, of poor character... They'll tell on themselves in time. Right, yeah. They're going to... Twitter was certainly... Shoot a, himself in the foot. A major advertisement for the piece of shit that Trump... And I mean, look at Elon. Look what's happened since he's bought it. And that, you know, exactly. It sets the table for us to talk about Elon. You know, Elon now owns it, and he took a poll to see what people thought on Twitter about allowing Trump back in. I think it, it won the majority vote was to allow Trump back onto Twitter. Right. Now, Trump now is kind of like the jaded ex-lover kind of mind frame. He's not really interested or concerned with coming back to Twitter because he's now launched his own true social media social. truth social true so, social yeah yeah he's trying to keep his truth there <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't know that there's going to be a big return of trump to twitter until truth social completely fails quite frankly but i find it kind of interesting that elon now is kind of i guess he's like public enemy number one now yeah. in some respects when it comes to the social justice warriors somewhat and and this is another thing too he keeps talking about being against woke and you know, we hear a lot of the talk about woke, and I've made some posts on social media as well. DeSantis and company and their right. woke camp- anti-woke campaign. Right. But whenever you look up the definition of woke, it is essentially to be educated, especially on social issues. Right. Being enlightened on social issues, like right. you said. Absolutely. That's what and being so woke is. And so if you're going to be against social issues, right. what does that say about you and your character? Right. Woke has become the buzzword for anything that people don't like in opposition to often people with mindsets and viewpoints of somebody like elon musk elon musk don't get me wrong one of the smartest people in the world intelligent obviously wealthy uh came not from rags he's not a rags the riches story as many of you would like to believe is the case or misinformed you know his father was a multi-millionaire and right and that's how he was able to start his enterprises and businesses was through his father's wealth right essentially just like trumpy boy and his father of course married his sister if you don't believe me, look that up. <laughs> oh, so, I definitely believe it. When I say his father married his sister, that's too many pronouns. Pronoun boy. Elon Musk's father married Elon's sister. Gotcha. So it is his daughter, but it is an adopted daughter that he had groomed and from a young her. age and then married her. Yeah, that's disturbing. And now they have children together as well. Wow. Biological children. So yeah, that's a fucked up family tree. It looks like one of those death metal band logos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All viney and baney. And- but how can we talk about Elon this week and not talk about the fact that Dave Chappelle brought him out to his concert in San Francisco on a stand up tour and he was booed, what, like nearly 20 minutes in some varying fashion? Yeah. I mean, people were heckling him and screaming at yeah. him the whole time. And uh, it was pretty funny that, you know, D- Dave had a few pretty decent, you know, I don't want to say like comebacks, but like a little one liners about right. what was going on at the time. And- yeah. 
Yeah. And ultimately, he's like, man, he ain't even trying to die on this planet. Yeah, he's trying to <laughs> die off planet. Yeah. yeah, that was great. So, yeah, there was there was some pretty funny lines. and But, you know, Elon's not doing himself any favors, as we mentioned, the way he's acting on social media. Some of the things that he said is anti-woke campaigns is pro-Trump comments how he's handling twitter employees and yeah how he's handling i mean he's being sued right now yeah by former twitter employees as well i'm sure that would be one of those things that settles outside of court but yeah more than one thing can be true at one time you know right, he, right. he can still be an intelligent person but he has some serious character flaws as an individual and quite frankly as a leader mm-hmm. i believe that also pivots us into our next talking point as far as news and recent things that's going on in the media and trump was alluding to all these big this big announcement that he had coming big announcement and everybody was speculating it was this it was that always going to announce who his running mate is for president his presidential campaign which was already announced early as it was anyways yeah. and all these various things or it was going to be some big reveal about truth social expanding it's business enterprises and horizons or you know things of that oak or that he was being endorsed by certain people or whatever and it was trump's nft launch yeah he basically he's launching a digital digital uh trading card basically right right. and so and if you haven't seen some of these already they're pretty hilarious i think the astronaut is probably yeah. one of my favorite ones. So oh. if you guys get a chance to find the astronaut, check that one out. We, we've shared some of the NFT information on our social media, mostly with, you know, from satirical social media accounts and things that oak, you know, but that's our lane. That's what we like. That's right. our humor. Right. This is a real shit show about to take off. I loved it so much because like, uh, I don't know if you know Quentin, was it Quentin Quarantino? I think is his name. Quarantino. Quarantino. Uh, Quarantino. Yeah. That makes more yeah. sense. I can't say it right. But anyway, he's, I follow him on Instagram. He cracks me up. He's kind of a political figure. A leftist sure. political political figure and when he shared the video of trump's launch he's like this is for real this is not satire like right. he had to clarify that right. this is not a joke this is like something that trump really did absolutely <laughs> which is you know obviously very scary and there's all kinds of media out there coverage around it right now and really this kind of again once again started with trump on uh, true social teasing that he'd have some major announcement and, and boy oh boy and some people thought it was going to be for the candidacy of house speaker which was you know ridiculous why run for house speaker but this right. is like some this is all like goes back into the QAnon wackiness. Yeah. Where they think he's going to become the Speaker of the House and then name somebody to be president. Like all this wacky shit that's not going to happen, people. But let's clarify what this NFT is. It's another ploy for him to get money from right. his quote unquote supporters. Right. <laughs> it's a legal way for him to scam people out oh, of absolutely. $100. I mean, that's that his calling card. Yeah. And I love the fact that he made a caricature of himself that's a ripoff of Superman standing in front of Trump Tower. Yeah. And that athletic, muscular build and frame that he has in that picture that in that NFT that he never had any of his life. Right. right. <laughs> that, this is the same man that a family member said had has to lean forward because if he doesn't he often shits himself because he can't control his sphincter and his bowel <laughs> so yeah it's that guy oh there's the astronaut it, it, yeah the series of them is at 99 dollars and they are very ugly there's astronaut ones there's one as him as like gunslinger in the old west on a ranch there's one of him with a football midfield like it's ridiculous the shit that they I have mean, listen if you want to spend a hundred dollars and get you some virtual donald trump trading or trading cards that's great but just know that the nft community and the crypto community is suffering and with more regulation, you're not you're not making money on this stuff. You're just you're just giving Donald Trump a hundred dollars at this point. Absolutely, no question. <laughs> also, something big in the news that really caught our attention as far as headlines are concerned. You know, I like to follow Vice Media in particular. I've talked about it several times here on the show. I'm excited to they talk about do this some, a little bit. You know, counter programming and reporting at times. Yeah. You know, stuff that's not Vice. always in the major, but. 
there is a Ted Bundy copycat killer, serial killer that is being hunted in Mexico specifically right now. And and it's it's really crazy. And they believe that he's actually behind this most recent murder, which is Elizabeth Martinez. Uh, in Tijuana, right? Yeah, in Tijuana. Yeah. And authorities are linking her in with a series of murders of people right now. Now, now I did some digging, like, because, you know, I'm into this stuff. So I got on Reddit after you shared this with me today and kind of got into the subreddit and was looking at it. And Dude, this is an American guy. And yep. they're saying that he is probably lives in Southern California and he's crossing the border to kill and then coming back home. Right. Which is also making it difficult, more right. difficult to right. find him. Well, and how are they going to prosecute him in the United States? All they could do is extradite him to Mexico. And I'm sure that they will, especially yeah. under the Biden administration. But, right. but anyway. find the motherfucker first. Right. right, right. Yeah, I'll let you tell the story. Sorry but, for jumping you know, again. No, that's fine. <laughs> and But I just think it's, it's wild that in this day and age that there's a guy, again, you know, Bundy is a man that we've talked about a few times here on the show and we haven't done an episode on him I, quite frankly i think he's been kind of done to death yeah but kind of our re-interest our re-engage and some of the agenda that we like to cover on the show with our cult curious conspiracies and killer series is that it, it a lot of that stemmed from things like the bundy tapes that we watched and things like that online right and on um netflix specifically and and so Bundy was a guy, of course, that married that murdered at least thirty women across the U.S. And there's you know countless more that he's probably responsible accountable for. and responsible yeah. for that yeah. he went back and forth on admitting whether or not he did it or didn't do it. He Bundy was a guy again, much like many serial killers, loved the attention at the very least. He loved the cat and mouse. Yes, he loved the escape and getting captured. Well, and, and he got the escape, publicity. He escaped so so many times. If you ever get the opportunity and you're not well educated on the Bundy story, go back and listen to watch. That the fact that he was able to escape the authorities and be on the lam so many times, and the things that he got caught for were so like Ridiculous. when he, he got recaptured, <laughs> right. but it was easily avoidable. Right. I just feel like he well. A, the first time that he got caught was, uh, or recaptured, I should say, was just because he was like in a situation that he was kind of starving to death, but he really didn't have to be because he was in a cabin that wasn't, I think it was like 10 to 15 miles away from an actual city. Yeah, it was like in the wilderness in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Right. And he could have easily hunted, captured food. There was tons of wildlife, abundance of. Right. But he's. Vegetation. He's an apex predator. He doesn't, he he shouldn't have to hunt for his food. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. But, uh, um, yeah, crazy story. Um, I hope they catch this guy before any more women die. Um, it's nuts. But speaking of killers and conspiracies, I have kind of a suggestion for the next one. I started a new Netflix series. It's uh, D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? And it really breaks down oh, yeah. all the suspects who they really think is D.B. Cooper. And it is fantastic. And I think that would be an awesome conspiracy to yeah, cover eventually. D.B. Cooper is definitely one of those unsolved mysteries over time that a lot of people have bantied about. You know, there's a theory, of course, that he he died in the plane crash and his, his remains burnt up but yeah you know that was that they were never found no right. evidence no dna evidence of his remains was ever found so but to tie that back in to um bundy it just dude watching that the 70s was just fucking wild the 70s was just a, oh, yeah. a fucking wild decade for law enforcement for murder for crime i mean it was just fucking crazy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> But yeah, there's a good Vice piece out there about this copycat killer that I encourage folks to go check out. I'm not going to sit here and, and read it all to you on the air because we got a lot on our agenda this evening. And uh, one last thing I want to talk about as far as things in the news is the Cardinals got their catcher. They got our, our replacement for Yadier Molina finally, and that's Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. We got him on a five-year deal for $87.5 million. 
It's a very club-friendly financial deal. I would consider him a veteran, and he's going to be more than Definitely. just, I, what would I say? He's a plus offensive catcher. Right, yeah, exactly. He has high energy. And he's a good, solid defensive catcher as well. Right, Yachty. Yachty, but... Yeah, but Yachty suggested him and was a big, right. played a big role in getting him right. signed in St. Louis, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, I me think, too. I think he'll bring good energy to the club. Well, he'll bring at least the defense that we've saw, seen from Yachty in the last couple of years, and he'll bring more offense than Yachty brought. Right, so it's a so win-win. So it's really only a plus move. Right, right. If you consider it like that. Now, I think there's a lot of people out there considering me a part of that camp somewhat, and that is a little disappointed that we didn't get Sean Murphy from the A's, but what they were asking for reportedly was everything. Was a little too much, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, um, I think like the most recent report that I read was that they wanted Newt Bar. Gorman, as well as our top pitching prospect. No. Who's a top 17 prospect in all of the MLB. No. Yeah. And uh, that was a little too much. Well, they ended up, I think Murphy ultimately got traded to the um, Atlanta Braves, which Atlanta Jeez, Braves catcher dude. was Wilson Contreras' brother, who's now going to be playing for the Brewers. So they're going to be in our division, and we're going to be That'd playing. Be cool. The brothers are going to be playing each the other. Contreras brothers. It yeah. reminds, me, or makes, uh, reminds me of when uh, Benji and Yachty were playing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I think the Braves ended up giving away like much less to get Sean Murphy. So like now it makes me question like what was the actual offer right. out there, you know, for as far as the prospects are, were concerned. So, you know, it's kind of, and then word? I also heard talk about Newt Barr being traded for the Jays catcher as well. who's yeah. a pretty decent catcher too, but you know, I don't think that that ever got any action, but there's a big push for the Cardinals to sign Rodon right now. And there's talk of maybe adding a shortstop, somebody like a uh, Dansby Swanson or somebody like that. But I, I don't, you know, by the comments that Mosaic has made in the media, I don't see it happening. He don't spend money. No, not at all. <laughs> he's tight. He always he's always <laughs> got to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. So, guys, we're gonna have Maxine here in just a moment, but just wanted to mention that we've got a future featured musical act this week. Also, we're just gonna be debuting a single from Duevo Testamento, and they are a band that hails from both L.A. and Bologna, Italy. So, oh, nice. uh, they're actually a post punk, new wave, dark wave, kind of synth wave, and dance pop. You got a little bit of all those elements. Uh, their music's going to be featured this week. It's part of our marketing materials, of course. They got a new single out called Heartbeats. I highly recommend it if you like things like Depeche Mode, Soft Cell, things from the 80s uh, that had some of that electronic influence, but was still yet post punk. I highly recommend these guys. So, very, very, very good little dance tunes for sure. Good time. So, we are going to have. Miss Maxine 13 on this week, a St. Louis-based artist. On the other side of the break, guys, stick around. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses. Whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop who will be spotlighting folks in their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support, and as always, please stay safe out there. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ATI Podcast. We're happy to have you all here live for our guest interview segment with Miss Maxine13. How are you doing today, Maxine? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you very doing much. Great. Uh, before we started recording today, I realized that you are technically our very first female guest on the show. Which is oh, crazy. Wow. 
So no pressure <laughs> at all. What does that say about you guys? <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, God. Believe me, it was not, in, it was not it's intentional. It's not intentional. I promise. Yeah. Right. This is, our, uh, this is our first season back at, at doing this, doing the podcast thing. We started this actually in our early 20s while we were in college and uh, kind of fell off the map for a while and, and, and got back at it. But, um, but you know, I, I don't think that we could have had any better female guests, I should say, for the show than you. And I am a fan of your artwork. That's kind of how I came to find out and discover you and want to have you on the show. Unknowingly, I guess maybe the first realization of your artwork was the forehands work that you did on the cans. And I, I didn't know it was you at the time and put those connections together. But then later on, I stumbled upon some of your reels, some of your time-lapse reels of the artwork that you did of famous moments, I should say, in like AEW specifically. So like Eddie Kingston walking yeah. down the gas can, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, those mm -hmm. folks were definitely like drew my attention towards your work. And I'm a big wrestling fan myself. So I would imagine, obviously, you wouldn't do something like that if you weren't a wrestling fan as well. Yeah. So I'm a new wrestling fan. Um, I kind of only got into okay. it through AEW. My husband, you know, watched, okay. you know, WWE and stuff like that as a kid and then he kind of fell out of it. And uh, he started watching AEW when they started, I guess, what was it, like early 2019 or something like that? I started kind of like checking it out over his shoulder now and again. And then, you know, next thing I know, we're watching it on Wednesday nights. Then we're watching Wednesday and Friday. And then eventually I was like, hey, do we want to like fly to Vegas to go see Double or Nothing? And <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. I kind of like accidentally became a wrestling fan. It was it was not something I was ever really exposed to growing up and just kind of happened. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. That is a cool way to come about it. And you can share it with the, your husband, too, which is cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a couple things. So that's even cooler. Yeah. You know, it's a cool weekly thing to do. That's that's definitely kind of the relationship my wife and I have. Yeah, my wife was never a fan, and uh, I kind of exposed her to it as well, especially when AADW started up. And now we have a son, of course, and he he really likes it too. So it's kind of something we can all do as a family. Yeah. We went out to the uh, SmackDown show they had out at uh, Enterprise just about a month or two ago nice. uh, for his birthday, and he had a really great time. Yeah. Through the AEW stuff, um, that's how we kind of came across the local wrestling as well. And so we've hit up, you know, the Glory Pro shows at South Broadway and then the Grandel shows through that as well. It's cool. You know, that leads me nicely into my next talking point, And that was that we got a little bit more familiar with your work, too, in the sense that we were a sponsor of the Grandel wrestling event that took place up at Pops uh, the, from Dust Till Dawn event. And you actually did the, uh, I guess, primary artwork. Yeah. Which was posters. incredible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was really incredible. Yeah. Tell us how that came together for you. How you got that opportunity. Yeah. So Joey actually found me through the forehand painting that I did for their artist series cans. And so citywide, well, forehands and citywide, like they were sponsoring that initial Grandel show. And so he ended up using the painting I created as part of their promotion for the show. And then through that, you know, he had seen that I was doing, you know, a couple of those AEW paintings and reached out about it. And I was like, yeah, it sounds sweet. Like, paint some wrestlers, create kind of like a almost like epic movie poster promo for the uh, event. And right. And it came together really well. Yeah. Whenever I first saw the imagery, I thought it was actually a picture. I didn't realize it was it was painted until Joey pointed it out to me. I was like. Oh my God, this is yeah, incredible. incredible right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me having seen your other work. There's a realism to it, but at the same time, like, you know, whenever you're just looking at something at a glance, sometimes you overlook, like, is this a painting? Is this a real picture? Yeah, right. for sure. But yeah, just really incredible. And uh, I know that they sold like t-shirts with the imagery on there. Uh, I, I believe your, 
piece was already like pre-sold before the event even you know took place? Yeah, the original sold. Um, there are still prints available. I actually, I mean, I can show you what it looks like for for anyone who's watching. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so there's still prints available, but the painting original, the original did sell. That's awesome. Yeah, you can watch the whole process of the painting too on my Instagram. <laughs> I tried to record oh, like yeah. from start to finish painting it, which was like taking up so much storage on my phone, but <laughs> but it was worth it to see it all come together. You know. Right. How yeah. long did it take you to paint that? Ooh, it's hard to say. <laughs> you know, it's over several sessions. Sure. I mean, depending on the day, sometimes I'll like paint for like close to eight hours, like full stretch but that one it was probably like at least three or four sessions i don't know i mean we're talking like definitely probably like 30 hours or more i would guess overall if you're talking like not only are you prepping the canvas you're you're sketching it out well planning the painting ahead of that right then getting it onto the canvas then painting it all the different layers then uh preparing the canvas afterwards with varnish wiring all the steps <laughs> it ends up being a lot <laughs> Yeah, some people, especially like whenever they're kind of just introductory level getting into painting and stuff, they don't realize like how much time they're going to be taking with like even a simple thing like drying. Oh, yeah. You you can't just like blow through a project immediately. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a uh, art scholarship and had an opportunity to go to the Missouri Arts Association. And, uh, you know, I kind of started with painting and stuff myself. So that's in part, you know, why... I feel like I, I really like your work because I, I know that the skill that it takes to do some of that stuff. Right. To achieve I that. Even that close. But, right. But, you know, I, I just know that there's a lot of hard work that goes into that for sure. For sure. You know, what, what originally drew you to, you know, painting specifically as a medium and doing your artwork? Yeah. Um, I have made, you know, art of some sort kind of for forever. Um, but I always really loved um Kind of, you know, all the Renaissance paintings, it's just oil painting in general, you know, visiting the art museum and just seeing like all the amazing figurative work there. So I had initially kind of done a lot of drawing, mostly portraiture, usually just using pens. And eventually, I guess maybe kind of like late 2017 into 2018, I started trying to teach myself how to oil paint. And I was like, very frustrating at first, but eventually I kind of <laughs> got to a point where I felt pretty good about it. And then I started displaying work uh, at the beginning of 2019 locally. I, and I noticed too, you know, kind of over time, you've had some opportunities with some some coverage with some of the, I'll, I'll call it St. Louis local media, you know, like Ladue News, for example, you, you refute, there was an article featured on you in 2020. Did you see right away after you started getting some of this news exposure that people were actually seeking you out, seeking your talents out, seeking you out for commissions or whatever the case was? Do you feel like it really, you know, did you see a big bump in attention after these coverages? Um, I think it's been growing slowly, um, you know, depending on what the, um, you know, feature was, you know, you get maybe a little bump afterwards here or there. Um, I know I did um, an article for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, um, I think it was earlier this year. My timeline gets crazy in my head but i think it was earlier this year <laughs> anyway i did see a bump directly after that like interest in my etsy shop and things like that so it just kind of depends yeah. you know i think some of that stuff pays off over time there have been some of those articles where you know a year or more later somebody says oh that was the first place i saw your work and i've been following you ever since and i sure. just didn't know, you know? It, it's all worth it i think yeah, I, I think too a big piece that really drew my attention. I, I'm not going to call myself a 
diehard reader of the Riverfront Times, but mm-hmm. if I see something in the Riverfront Times that is a topic that I'm interested in, I just like the tone that they have with a lot right. of the articles. While they're intelligently rent- written, um, there's a non-formality to them. There's kind of a plain speak in the way that they write things sometimes. And they also cover things that not everybody else covers that I enjoy. So like another news medium that I like quite a bit is like Vice News. They have a lot of stories and things that don't get covered on a national basis. And I like in Riverfront's Times kind of our our more more local version of that. And I know that they did a feature on you. uh, I believe it was in July. Yeah. And um, I thought the kind of the byline was kind of interesting. Maxine 13 refuses to be unlucky, obviously a play on on, uh, your pen name and everything as well. But (laughs) I thought it was a really great piece. uh, And and I'm sure that audience, me being a person that's a part of that audience, uh, was probably very attracted to some of your work following that coverage as well. Yeah, that was a great one. I mean, obviously, I've got no say in how they choose to, you know, headline any of the articles you're always kind of like a little scared like what are they going to say how are they going to do this yeah but uh that one i think was you know probably up there as one of my favorites i felt like it captured everything pretty well you know whenever you're trying to do any sort of interview you don't really know like what anyone's fully paying attention to what they're going to like latch on to afterwards sure you know but that, that one I really liked. Yeah, and I also like the fact that they showed quite a variety of your of your work as well. It featured plenty of pieces, too, to give people an idea of, of what you do and, and what you have to offer with your talents, too. So, But, I, you know, kind of, too, in looking at some of your artwork, I can see a lot of different things that, you know, my mind immediately goes to. I don't know if they're direct influences of yours, per se. But one, one reason I do like your artwork specifically is because it reminds me so much of a lot of the old style movie posters and marketing that used to happen in Hollywood. Right. Um, you know, just as pictures started becoming the talkies as they would call them back in right. the day, which is it's such a foreign term to us now, but how they would paint and orchestrate and create some of those because, you know, like Photoshop on your computer wasn't a thing in the 1930s <laughs> and 1940s. Right. So oh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of artists out there that would do a lot of these extravagant movies, posters, you know, some of the big ones that come to mind, like your Gone's of the Winds of the World and, and things like that. You yep. know, I think that there's a classiness to your artwork that kind of reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, thank you. As well. And, and, I, and I grew up on a lot of those movies too. My parents, you know, were big fans of the kind of those classic movies and stuff and, and always try to have us kids have a little bit of an education in the old school, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. so it, it's got a bit of a nostalgia feel to me, I guess is what I'm trying to say too. Yeah. No, I've definitely watched a lot of old movies, love old black and white. Um, I really especially love like pre-code era movies. There's just, you know, you see so many like strange things before the Hayes Code went into effect. Um, but even beyond that, you know, I love all the film noir, or, like Alfred Hitchcock, things like that. Like I'm kind of all over the place, but um, big on black and whites for sure. <laughs> sure. And of course, behind you right now, and I've seen, you know, some works of yours of Vincent Price, in particular, Missouri native, mm-hmm. and his sister actually has had an estate down here, a kid that I went to school with, his mother ended up buying it, turned it into bread and breath, bed and breakfast, it's called the Dragonfly Inn down here. Oh, nice. And they've got a house that Vincent Price actually stayed in that you can stay in down here in the Arcadia Valley area, which is a, it's a very beautiful property. They got little lakes and, and ponds and stuff, but uh, you can definitely see kind of the escape that it had to have been for him. Like they actually rent out, like one of the featured houses is the house that Vincent Price stayed in whenever he would go down and visit his sister and stuff. It's just like a little nice country cat cottage and, and the, the people maintain it very well, but huge Vincent Price fan. Love Vincent yeah, Price. For sure. that just an iconic story. image of a oh, time yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when he's in a bad movie, it's still good just because he's in it. Like, it's going to be entertaining no matter what. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I I think kind of like recently what's kind of gone viral too is I think he did a reading on one of the late night shows. This is like right before he died, just like impromptu did his whole thriller monologue (laughs) and he did it like beat for beat. Spot on. Perfect. Like 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It was just incredible. (laughs) Edward Scissorhands was like my favorite movie when I was a kid too, you know, so his his involvement in that too was kind of, I guess, maybe my first remembrance and introduction as to who he was but once i started kind of like learning his background you know he was a missouri native and that sort of thing it, i don't know i've always just been kind of attracted to that you know and and try to follow people from where i'm from <laughs> so i i wanted to talk to you too you know kind of initially in some of your paintings and stuff whenever you started painting were you going through any type of formal training or education as well that you could detail for us or was it just kind of a hobby thing that you took on and and grew from there yeah uh i'm self-taught so it was just, you know, I always created art. I just liked making things. I did a lot of drawing. I always enjoyed drawing faces. And uh, with the oil painting, it was mostly, you know, trial and error, just experimenting. And then, you know, I'd look up tutorials. You know, you've got Google and YouTube at hand. So you can kind of look up anything and everything you want. And then obviously Instagram, too, you know, as that's become more and more popular. You can, there's so many different painters on there that are obviously just completely amazing. There's so many different things to see. So yeah, it was just, um, I don't really have any sort of formal training. It's all just me, you know, messing around and figuring things out. <laughs> Which is even more incredible to me. Yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, no, it's definitely even <laughs> That's more, more of an acolyte than being formally trained, in my opinion. But <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I always, don't get me wrong, there's those that, you know, there's a formality to training in some of the arts and things like that, too, that's to be respected oh, and that, that sort of thing. And, and certainly, it, um, you know, I have an appreciation for the reverence of the history of anything. However, when you're talking raw talent and self-training right. and that sort of stuff, you know, that, that always to me is a little bit more amazing and, and impressive. Right. Thank you. Personally, that's, you know, yeah. that's my viewpoint. I mean, you know, I think part of it is like, I didn't think I was going to be an artist at first anyway, so I didn't really pursue that through school. So I was like, Oh no, it's the thing I just sure. like to do for fun. And then, you know, eventually right, right. I'm doing it for fun, but I'm also making some money off of it and it's kind of becoming a job anyway. So I was like, well, why not? Right. Why not really make this a job? <laughs> right, and that's for cool sure. because it's something that you enjoy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a lot. That's that's what life's right. about. You know what I mean? Living, doing something that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah, there's sure. so many people punching a clock and and earning a living through things that they don't enjoy. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. And for you to turn it into a, a business, quite frankly, is is fantastic. And you know, kudos to you for sure. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Was there any, you know, champions or mentors that you had along the way that you'd like that you would say that really helped you along in, in your painting and outside of just your self-taught aspects? I'm sure even now in the you know more recent couple of years that you guys you've been on kind of some of the show circuits and that sort of stuff. There's been people that perhaps you've learned stuff from. Yeah, I mean, I'd say overall, like the St. Louis art community is really, really supportive. Um, I mean, I, it honestly makes me wish I had kind of gotten involved with it sooner. Um, not that it's late per se now, but you know, you kind of, if you're on the outside of something like that, you kind of think that like, oh, it's not going to be that easy to just kind of like get involved. You know, it's going to be a closed group to some extent. And it really doesn't seem that way at all. Like there's a really wide variety of artists here in St. Louis and, you know, basically everyone you meet is willing to help you in some way, either just like telling you about a thing that's coming up or, hey, be a part of this group because you'll find art calls in it or whatever. Like, I, I mean, it's hard to like single anyone out because there's really been like 
everyone's just been really helpful. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's cool that the community's helped drive your experience. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like St. Louis is really good about that. Even with like outside of just of painting, I mean music, comedy, I mean sure. all kinds of yeah. stuff. So and that's cool. That's cool thing. And there's a lot of you know subsections within the community, but I'd say like. Most everyone I've interacted with has been, you know, really great about just being helpful, you know, especially when I was starting out, you know, I would just show up to an event and, you know, I'd be in a corner being like, oh, if I talk to one person, you know, I've I've done my job for the day because I'm not very social. (laughs) But a lot of people would just, you know, come up to me and be like, oh, you're a new artist. What do you need to know, basically? So really, that's cool. That's that's very, very, very helpful because I'm not all that outgoing. So it's good that other people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're talking about some of the collaborative ef- uh, efforts of, you know, the art community and stuff. I know that you more recently uh, have done a collaboration. It's through this Eyes Collaborative project that's taken place and you have a show tomorrow night for this yes. as well, right? So how did that come together? Well, Eyes, um, aka Pete Walliger, uh, he's a muralist based out of St. Louis, but he has done stuff all over really now and if you've been around st louis you've definitely seen one of his murals whether you know who he is or not um he has the iconic eyes in his murals usually in big elaborate patterns and uh he he did a collab show back before the pandemic and i think initially was maybe planning to do that regularly but obviously you know covid and whatnot so this year he decided to do it again and he reached out to me and a lot of other people. He's got like, uh, I think at least 20 local artists and then another 20 or so national artists all collaborating with him on various different pieces. Some of them are, you know, paint based. Some of them are like stained glass. Like it's a variety of stuff. All the artists awesome. are different. Uh, and yeah, it's, um, opening tomorrow night. So it should be pretty cool. <laughs> And where where's that opening at tomorrow night? Yeah, it's at a vacancy gallery in the city foundry. So it's uh, I guess kind of what's that uh, midtownish. I and uh, at what at what time is it opening? Uh, seven if you have VIP tickets, and then eight if you're just showing up, you know, for free. Walk in. Yeah, yeah, and then also they will have hours Saturday as well. I think it's twelve to five, but it's opening tomorrow night. And I, I had noticed, you know, too, anything that we're talking today with Maxine about, she's very good about putting up like time lapse videos on her social media. So you can follow Maxine across all social media. She's got uh, Instagram, she's got Facebook, she's got Twitter. I've personally stumbled upon Maxine stuff through Instagram specifically. That's where we frequent, as you've heard. Anybody who's listened to the show routinely, we're a little bit more Instagram active, but uh, very good vaccine about putting up, you know, time-lapse videos of some of your work. And in particular, this Eyes collaboration, uh, there's some pretty cool videos there of you guys meeting and, and working together and collaborating and seeing some yeah, of those processes, cool. those behind the scene things, which, you know, you having learned some of your mentions in the conversation earlier, looking on Instagram and on social media and those things and using those resources, I think people can learn by looking at your social media too. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to see. <laughs> <laughs> is there any kind of dream projects for you in the future as far as, is there a goal that you have for to collaborate with a particular artist or, or where would you like mm-hmm. things to go for you, Maxine? I'm not sure. I definitely want to do bigger work wanting to maybe at some point do some sort of mural i don't know when or where but uh that's a maybe on the list but yeah bigger more um 
high concept, just kind of expanding things, just making everything a little like bigger and better, you know? Th- that being said too, I know, and we've mentioned it a few times here, you had the opportunity to do some work with Forehands and, and do some of the design for the cans. How did that come together for you as well? Just out of curiosity, how did you get that opportunity? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I believe they initially found my work through 31 Art Gallery, which um, I'm a resident artist there. I'm also now their art director. And uh, Forehand sponsors the gallery. So I think initially that's where the connection happened. And uh, I guess it was late late last year they reached out about doing the Artist Series cans, which they've done annually now. Um, they pick like four to five artists, and then you kind of get like free reign to come up with a design for the can so uh when they asked me about it i was like absolutely i'm gonna do that for sure like i I was already a big fan of them anyway like i I love their uh their scouts especially like i I was already a client and so i'm like yeah of course like that would be awesome (laughs) so i kind of went with wanted to kind of go like an old style like almost similar to like an old like coke ad kind of feel to like the design and so it's you know two women enjoying a beer together. And I also wanted to do that because I think like, you know, it's maybe like overlooked how many women like love to have beer too, you know, like let's, let, let's see maybe a design where it's not like a woman who's like offering someone a beer. It's actually like these two women are right. enjoying the beer together. And it's not about like, they are the consumers themselves. Yeah. It's right. about them having the drink and enjoying it rather than it being offered to you. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. It, it was a really fun project. It was, very cool. Yeah, Forehands is is definitely my personal favorite St. Louis brewery. They got a little bit more of a DIY feel to them, and I feel like they support a lot of, you know, other businesses, other St. Louis uh, artists as well. Specifically, oh, yeah. in your case, uh, we did a Planned Parenthood show uh, back in 2017 at San Lu, and uh, raised a lot of money for Planned Parenthood at that time. Uh, this was, you know, in the midst of Missouri getting a lot of funding pulled from it specifically for Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And uh, Forehands was an official sponsor of the show, and they provided all the bands and uh, the people putting on the show uh, copious amounts of Citywide <laughs> yep, yep. And, <laughs> other, and other beverages of theirs. So it, it was thoroughly enjoyed. Let's put it that way. But awesome. uh, what I do like about Forehands is they're they're always you know supporting local artists, local right. businesses, very you know, community driven in St. Louis, right? And um, you know that's the thing that attracts me as a consumer specifically for sure. For sure. So I know that you've got an exhibit coming up tomorrow night that we've talked about already. Uh, the Eyes Collaboration is going to be featured there. Uh, what other events do you have coming up in the future, Maxine? Where can people catch your work at? Yeah. Um, so you can regularly see my work at 31 Art Gallery on Hampton. Um, they're normally open Saturdays, 11 to 4, but they do have a special event coming up Christmas Day, actually. Um, they're going to be open four to nine. Um, it's kind of, it's not really a Christmas thing. It's more kind of, uh, if you've got nowhere to be on Christmas or you maybe want to get away from whatever you are doing on Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, exactly. Like you can come hang out there. Um, they'll be open. There's art. There'll be forehand. And uh, they're also doing an ugly art exchange. So if you want to participate in that, all you have to do is either find or make an ugly piece of art, wrap it up and bring it, and we'll have a table where you can leave yours and pick your own. And who knows what kind of weird, ugly art you might end up with at the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty cool concept for sure. I don't think I've ever heard of that ugly art exchange. It's awesome. We did it for the first 
first year, uh, for the first time last year. And so now I think it's become annual and we're it's doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. Maxine, what would you say, you know, in your artwork that some of your own personal influences you feel like really shine through? You know, if somebody's just first hearing of you today in our conversation, uh, what's what's a piece piece or pieces of your work that you're, A, you know, very proud of and B, you think really shines through? through your talents, your influences, and that sort of thing. Something that you hold near and dear to your heart. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel really proud of the forehand piece. I think that that was a cool way to kind of expand what I could offer through my art. I also, you could find it on my website. Um, there was a piece I did uh, back in 2019. Um, it's called I Am at Heart a Gentleman, and it's a black and white large portrait of Marlena Dietrich in a top hat and tuxedo. And even though it's kind of old now and I look at it and I'm like, oh, I know I could paint that better or I, you know, whatever. It, my skills have improved since then. I still really like hold that piece uh, very special to me. It's kind of my studio mascot, I guess, at this point. Um, but yeah, Marlena Dietrich is kind of one of my old classic favorites and I've painted her a bunch of times now. Like I did, there's certain old movie classic faces that I just like to return to. And, that's one I really like. Uh, I think I think that piece was the one of the pieces of art, at least the primary piece of art that was featured on your in your Ledoux article as well. So oh yeah, it people was. go to yeah, if people go to Google and Maxine thirteen. If you're not real sure where to find her, if that's the easiest route for you, yeah, uh, that's one of the first things that comes up is the Ledoux article specifically. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things that I wanted to talk to you, Maxine, while we had the chance to to talk to you is I know that you do some commission work and that may be limited. Talk to us about kind of the commission process. I know, you know, it's already the end of the year. So Mm -hmm. the hopes of getting something this year is not realistic, but you know, let's say somebody's looking at next year and they want to reach out to you for commission work. Kind of what are the parameters there? Yeah. So I actually have an option on my website where you can, um, I think it's under the contact section. Uh, You can request a commission. So it's a, fairly simple form. You can fill out kind of like what you have in mind. You can send me a photo, kind of describe your budget and whatnot. Um, I take commissions on a much more selective basis now than I used to. Um, Part of that is just, you know, having too many projects going on and trying to be more selective about what I take on. And um, sure, I think also just, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of artists in St. Louis who will do commissions. And so you know, if I'm going to take one on, I want it to be the right fit for me and something that I'm going to really feel um, invested in. So um, I also, if you look on my website, you can see past commissions. You can kind of get an idea of the things that I have been willing to do. (laughs) Um, Because it's really great. You know, there have been people who've come to me with, um, you know, I did a really cool commission of Esther Williams. Um, If you're unfamiliar with who she is, she's a very famous swimmer and diver who did movies. I guess probably mostly in either the late 40s into the 50s where she would be swimming underwater doing um, underwater ballet. And so I was already aware of her and I had someone ask me to do a commission. And I was like, that's awesome. That's perfect for me, you know. Whereas, you know, there's certain other commissions where, you know, maybe that's not the right fit for me. So it kind of just depends on what it is. No, I I could definitely see that being a perfect creative marriage anyways, you know, and and some of those old school – you know, swimming synchronization routines Mm -hmm. and stuff that used to be in movies as well. She was a part of a lot of that. Yeah. with like Berkeley. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, we've talked about the website a few times. Maxine13.com is where you can go to see Maxine's work, purchase prints, reach out to her about commissions. Don't forget the Etsy shop. And of course your Etsy shop as well. 
on your website, do you promote your upcoming events as well where people can catch your work at? I do. Um, I have a section for events on there. I try to keep that updated. Um, but if not, I mean, I'm most active on Instagram. So if you're trying to know, you know, what's coming up right away, I'm more likely to be sharing, you know, day to day on there what's coming up and going on. And we mentioned it before, but Maxine, of course, is across all social media platforms. I know she's real good about having the her website URL uh, on those pages as well. If you want to jump from that, if you just want to go on there and kind of interact with Maxine, her work, just follow it uh, as a fan. Great places to follow her on social media. As I mentioned earlier, Instagram's where I frequent. That's where I caught on to Maxine's work. And Maxine just told you that she spends most of her time there herself. So, <laughs> uh, Instagram is probably not a bad idea if, if you're if you're a fan of, of that platform specifically. So uh, Maxine, I think you've got some other events in the future too. Uh, you mentioned the, the Christmas event specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything plan- planned after the first of the year or are you just kind of laying low and, and see what opportunities come up? I do. Uh but not until April. Although, for all I know, something's going to pop up in January and February and March and so on. In April, I'm going to have a solo show. I don't have the dates available at the moment, but I will be promoting it when it gets a little closer. But uh, also, uh, come February, there'll be a new opening at 31 Art Gallery, too, which uh, will be late February. Well, I was going to ask, are you you (laughs) debuting new material at this? event that's coming up in february oh yeah um i'll definitely have some new stuff so i i always have something on display at 31 art gallery so anytime you go there you're gonna find something i've done um but i will have some new work in february too and awesome you can look them up on social media they'll be posting all about it so of course today we're actually going to be having at the close of the show too we're going to be promoting maxine's website if you didn't catch it right now don't worry We're going to repeat it to you for you again. (laughs) We're also going to have Maxine's information in our episode details. So once the podcast hits the podcast, normal feed drops on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, all those fun podcast spots, Spotify, you can hit those URLs, visit Maxine's website as well. And don't worry, once we get all your dates and stuff, we'll yeah. we'll tag you and you'll be liking 30,000 videos of ours. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, for sure. And of course, we utilize uh, on our Facebook specifically, we have a ATI Facebook community and we utilize and use that not only for listener engagement, but to promote the alumni and events that they have going on. So anytime you've got an event going on, feel free to share it to that group and uh, publicize it to our audience for people to come out and check it out as well. So we can't thank you enough again, Maxine, for doing the show today. Yeah, we really appreciate, super your appreciate time. it. Yeah, thank you. And we're happy to highlight your work. We always like bringing on St. Louis artists specifically and talking about things that they have going on. And hopefully it's not the last time we talk to you. Hopefully we can have you on again in the future and talk Absolutely. about some events. Oh, great. Thank you. Grateful. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. All right. Thanks for sticking around after the break, everybody. We appreciate anybody that tuned in. Of course, you can always catch our live interview segments on Twitch. We try to publicize those in advance, date, times, and who the guest is. But we will, going forward on our YouTube, 
are going to be putting up just the interview segments right. for our episodes. So if you want to hear the full episodes, those will be available on the podcast feeds. But just the interview segments are going to be available on our YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, we got YouTube all caught up. So you can see everything or hear everything that we have on YouTube in some variety. So we've got guest interview segments, and then we also have full episodes on YouTube. So if you prefer to listen to us on YouTube, go for that. But we can't say thank you enough to Miss Maxine 13. Absolutely. We appreciate her coming on today. Check out Maxine's work at Maxine13.com. You can purchase prints. You can reach out to her about commissions. There's information about upcoming events and art shows that she's participating in. And she also does commission work. So on a case-by-case basis, that is. So very similar to like our own Brandon Stewart in his diorama work. It's a collaborative thing. Reach out to her. See if it's something that's going to work. And uh, Maxine will get with you. She won't disappoint you guys. She is phenomenal. And again, the best window shopping you can do is just by going to her social media. She has Instagram. She has Facebook. She has Twitter. I would personally recommend her Instagram, obviously, in the conversation if you listen to that today. It's where she does most of her work at. Right. You know, and if you want to support her, hop on her Etsy and buy print. Yeah, that's the and best way to support very an reasonable prices too. Right, it's add. not outrageous. Yeah, right. I've I've perused her shops and she's got prints. I know like twenty five dollars. Right, for the quality of work, you yeah, cannot it's fantastic. It. Right. And uh, she does like like a random grab bag type stuff at a discount too, where she makes some selections of her work and 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 sends that to you at a price and a nominal fee. So she's very reasonable on her prices. So again, if you're a fan, just you know, throw her a little something. Yeah. Just to show your support. I mean, she's doing what she loves as as a career, so that's the best way you can support her. Yeah, absolutely, without question. So we hope to have more people on like Maxine in the future, and that's, uh, I guess, a little sad, as she said, <laughs> that it took 47 people, uh, I think is what she was trying to say to us, whatever she said. What does that say about you guys? Right, and, <laughs> and it's not intentional. Like, no. if you guys want to come on, like, hit, hit us up, man. Yeah, we're, we're looking to feature anybody and everybody. So. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to say that I, I really feel like Maxine definitely knocked it out of the park as our first sketch. We were happy to spotlight her talent specifically. I'm a huge fan of her artwork. Yeah, absolutely. She's great. And I hope that came through in our interview today. So, so what do we have next week? Next week, we've got episode 47 with Benjamin Trust. So that's kind of our more traditional, again, another interview segment, Benjamin Trust, professional Benjamin wrestler. Benjamin Trust. Ben, in Benjamin, we trust. <laughs> we are going to feature some of his work, his training, and his social media. That's on his social media, that is. Uh, he's been doing some instructional weightlifting type stuff on there, too, for uh, personal fitness. And we're going to get to the bottom of this whole Slammer feud. So if you guys remember, we had Slammer. Episode 45. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems to be that Slammer and and Ben were on good terms. Ben beat him in a one-on-one match, and then they tagged together, and they won. But then Slammer, at the end of the match, turned on Benjamin Trust. And we need to find out what that's all about. Now yeah. we've heard Slammer's side of the story, so we need the other scoop. We need to get we need to get on the horn with Ben, and we're gonna we're gonna find out how Ben is exactly going to exact his vengeance. Yeah. So I think Ben is a pretty cool guy. We we've talked about it before. Again, the semi uniqueness, I should say, to his gimmick. He's got a little bit more of a kind of a bomber jacket style type thing going on there. Uh, I think that physically, he almost. Immediately, at least a young Will Ospreay, something like that okay. is what I, what I, what comes to my mind as a pro wrestling fan. That is, I would say, what really stuck out to him and about him and his work to me. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, he had a reel about, oh, this is my Monday, and somebody was crotching him on a steel barricade. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Or, Ouch. There was, there was something to the effect of coming into the weekend like... You know, and then that, and then it was a clip of him getting crotched on the steel barricade. So I laughed. You know, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely my type of humor that in self promotion that I need to get behind. And so then I started just doing a little bit more looking up and looking into him, and I noticed that he had some unique, almost again retro style uh, gear and and imagery using used in his shirts and his jackets and things that he was wearing. And there was kind of a bombshell looking chick. And I've always, you know, liked that type of, you know, flash art and that sort of stuff right, in that right, realm. Right. And then somehow I stumbled upon, and I don't even know if it was in the same posting, but it turns out that this person is his wife, actually, characterized. Oh, cool. And his wife does kind of sometimes with him, comes out to the ring with him. Oh, how cool. And, and her get up cool. as well as his manager, as his valet. So it's, uh, I think it's a great package. I think it's it has a callback in many respects to kind of wrestling of old yeah. when the wrestlers would come down with their valets, you know, macho man, Randy Savage, and say Elizabeth so. specifically, yeah. you know, yeah. that is the, you know, pinnacle of, you know, valet packages and pro wrestling. Yeah. So I think it's, it's kind of a callback to that the in some respect. The rises to the top. Absolutely. The man, Randy Savage, <laughs> for sure. Former Cardinal. Yeah. 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 Catcher. So, uh, <laughs> talking about what we have going on after that. So, after episode forty-seven, we're gonna have our year our year in specials run on here. So, we're gonna have first episode about music, our favorite albums of twenty twenty-two. If you want to watch us on Twitch, record that episode. It is actually going to take place before episode forty-seven with Benjamin Trust. Right. You guys are doing it Saturday night, right? We're doing it Sunday night or at Sunday nine thirty. Sunday night. So okay. this coming Sunday at nine thirty. Anyways, it's anyway. Sunday night. This coming Sunday night. <laughs> okay. This will be up before then. So whenever we're talking about Sunday, it's the next Sunday coming. So yeah, so we're gonna be recording that at nine thirty PM on Sunday night. If you guys want to catch that, it's waxing on RJ as well as ATI podcasts top 10 albums of the year we're going to be giving you our disappointments of the year we're going to talk about our favorite live shows that we attended this year we're going to talk about our favorite singles from the year and then we're going to detail on our albums maybe throw in an honorable mention here and there and i think we're going to expose people to a lot of music that they maybe missed this last year as well so we hope to have the opportunity to feature a few new artists to our listeners and hopefully you find your new favorite band so you can get with us on the live recording of that on sunday night or you can just Hear it in the normal podcast feed. It's going to drop as episode 48, so it's going to actually happen after Ben's. But if you want to stick to the live recording schedule, we've got that posted on our Instagram if you want to look, too. After that, we're going to be doing our 2022 movie in review. So we're going to talk about our five favorite movies. We're going to have honorable mentions there as well. But we're going to be welcoming back Danny King from It's Just Two Movies as well as Doug Wicker from Search Party Pictures. So this is going to be Doug's third appearance on the show. He is our, as far as our guests are concerned, he's only our only three-time appearance on the show. That seems right. I love me some Doug. Yeah, Doug's great. Man, I'm going to tell you what, I'm jealous. He's been sh- sharing all those pictures of Paris, and I'm yeah. just like, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, it's fantastic. He was chatting with me while he was over there, and uh, he ended up in a, in a French bakery at which that they did not care for Americans, and he said that they were intentionally avoiding serving him specifically, yeah. and he just wanted some fucking... A French milk with au jus sauce. <laughs> Just give me my all goddamn the man shit. <laughs> yeah. That's all the man wanted. So whoever over there in Paris who hates Americans... Just give the man his ajou sauce. That's please. hilarious. He it's actually, um, this is actually a good time to talk about this because this was an art episode. So um, he actually went to the Louvre and he actually yeah. took some photographs of some of my favorite pieces. Um, oh, yeah. 
um, the death of uh, Murat by David is like one of my favorite paintings ever. It's like one of my favorite yeah. political paintings ever. He, he got to see it in person, took a picture of it. I mean, a lot of David's stuff is all over the Louvre. It's wild the access that it, how you, it's a big place, but also at the same time you can get up and close and personal. Right. I mean, you're standing history. 15 feet from the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Whenever I was, you know, DMing back and forth with him while he was over there, I was like, man, just take the time and soak it in and realize how many people have stood in the exact like the exact same distance from that same painting as you historical of, figures yeah, of power kings right, right. you know things of that elk leaders right. of the world yep. and uh he was like oh man it's it is not lost on me like i literally today was thinking about you know a king stood here and looked at this painting oh yeah you know? i mean crazy people too hitler Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the, the history has Renaissance seen. art in and of itself specifically was one of the biggest, you know, thieves things during World War II when everybody right. was stealing. And, and there's even pieces that Great Britain has in their possession right now that Italy wants back. Right. You know. Well, they have pieces Egyptian that, pieces oh, that yeah. belong in Egypt that they right. won't get back either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all stuff that's been commandeered, commandeered during World War Two. So it's right. kind of it's wild to think that those types of issues are, and disputes are still going on. So, but yeah, we're gonna have that five favorite films from 2022. Hopefully, we're gonna be bringing some new stuff to you with that conversation. We're gonna bring in actors, actresses of the year, in our opinions. Uh, we're gonna also talk about our flop of the year, and mine's going to piss some people off. So Ooh, get ready for that. Good. Juicy. I always love bringing the uh, controversial takes. So. After that, we're going to do our favorite TV series of the year. So this is just going to be me, Brandon, who you've heard on the show many times here, Whole Boy, Nobnard, <laughs> and uh, Josh. And uh, we've we've tackled, between the three of us, I know a lot of TV series this year. I think I'm, yeah. Brandon and I were DMing, specifically uh, talking about some ideas, you know, for concepts of conversation and so on. And I, t- I calculated, I watched over 25 series this year. That was just that was released this year, so that doesn't include any series that I watched that came out before this year. Right, these are twenty twenty two. These are twenty twenty two specifically. I watched over twenty five series. That's crazy. Nothing was any less less than like six episodes, and they were all like hours long. Yeah. So you think about it, like you start doing the math. Yeah. That's a lot of time. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. That's that a I lot have been of... watching fucking TV shows. Yeah. Like TV shows have taken over my airplay way more than movies. I, oh, I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why I'm probably not going to be such a great contributor to the movie one is because I have not watched a lot of film this year. I've watched way more series than I have. Films. I haven't for me. And yes, I've definitely watched more series. Um, I'm putting a pause button on watching TV series to catch up on a few films. I've got some films that I need to watch before I'm comfortable publishing my list, but I'm just always that way. Right. But I always, every year... Right. Um, on social media, I always put up my year yeah, in list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of something I've always done. I always like doing that. And uh, we even did it back on the old iteration of the podcast. I came across whenever we did it uh, here just a few days ago. Uh, I don't know. Th- I don't know that I reshared it on Facebook because Facebook's the oldest piece of social media that I have. But yeah, I was reading through the list and I was like, yeah, some of these don't really age well for my taste <laughs> present day. Or like the order that I had some things in was like in my opinion like totally flip-flopped yeah um but yeah it's just funny to see how your taste changes over yeah. time too and i think a lot of people might be shocked on my list because i missed a lot of things that i didn't intend on missing too you know what i mean well the, i i was starting to make this point earlier and i glossed over it but i think you've watched a lot of series that i haven't watched i've watched a lot that you haven't right. brandon's watched a lot that you haven't right you've watched a lot brandon hasn't right i've watched a lot that brandon hasn't brandon has watched a lot that i haven't so we right. were really going to bring the variety with that episode yeah. we're only doing our five favorite and then we're going to do an honorable mention but i think like we might have a little bit of carryover no big deal 
Right. People like things for different reasons. We're going right. to get into that conversation right. too. And, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, specifically there's been a lot of Marvel shows that come out this year. There's been a lot of Star Wars shows that have come out this year. You know, like I'm sure there's going to be some layover there. However, there's going to be different reasons that each of us right. liked stuff. And uh, as you've heard in the show open today, we're going to be incorporating a lot more sound clips with our cold opens. And we're going to start doing some Easter eggs on the show. So I hope everybody enjoyed the comedy bit that's included in the show open today. And uh, look forward to us having some a little bit more routine Easter egg drops and cold opens. And this is just another way to sh- highlight the personality of the show and, and show you guys things that we're into and things that we find humorous and just kind of spice things up for our listeners and our content. So after that TV series episode, it's going to take us into episode 51. We're going to recap uh, wrestling 2022. We're going to have the baby face, Jake Jackson back on the show. who's also a key contributor on waxing on now with RJ. I think we're going to start getting over a couple new nicknames for baby, baby face, Jake. Uh, <laughs> we call him baby Jake in our group circle because we've, course have other friends named jake and i have a brother-in-law jake jake's pretty common name and a lot of jakes around so we here. have to come up with the nicknames for some of our friends sometimes but I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm down with calling him jj and i'm also calling him da- down with calling him double j double j which i think he'll love double j because it's kind of a jeff jared ref- reference and he's a jeff jared fan and wrestler so <laughs> that's awesome. that so we're gonna try and work on those so feel free to use them out there we call him jj frankie j from shorezy <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have you seen Chorzy yet? I've seen Chorzy, yeah. yeah. I just I haven't watched every episode, but yeah. yeah. JJ, yeah, JJ, Frankie, JJ. Yeah. yeah, you should look that up. It's pretty good. So, and then we're also in that same episode going to do a little bit of a Royal Rumble preview because that'll be happening within the week of that uh, episode airing. So we're going to talk about Royal Rumble 2023. We're not going to get too much in the weeds. We're not going to do a, a beat by beat like we have in some of our pay per view, you know, episodes before, prior. We're going to just make a few opinions, hot takes, predictions about what's going to happen in the Royal Rumble because that always sets up huge storylines in the WWE leading to WrestleMania. So we're going to have some hot takes there. And then our very last episode, episode 52, 52 weeks of doing this, Josh. Can you believe that? That's crazy. No, like this year's solid year. Blown by. Yeah. I mean, like me me and my wife were just talking about the other day is like, it's like once I hit a certain age, like time just like sped up like five times yes you know what i mean yeah. it's and like you believe definitely has a huge impact oh on yeah that. you're just so busy you know yeah i think 52 is going to be good because it's going to get a little nostalgic in some senses we're going to have that very original pilot episode of the show the first iteration of the show you're going to hear us talking about our inspirations why we want to do the show kind of what our thoughts were with the show at the t- that time what we had planned for the show and its agenda and some of the talking points that we were going to have and the guests and you know some of the creative things that we wanted to get into but then there's a conversation uh, on this supercut of this episode, too, more recently on a guest spot that I did on a podcast. Again, talking about the show coming back, why it's coming back, what the inspirations are behind the show. So, again, kind of adds a little bit more character to the show, peels back the curtain, but not in a damning sense, you know, just right. to let you know us a little bit more. I think that you probably know us quite well at this point if you've been listening to all I, of our episodes. Yeah, I would say we went yeah. pretty detailed. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've definitely. And, uh, you know, we, we did our wrapped episode and there was so much shit, dude, yeah. that we did that I just, it was weird to see, you know, the analytical evidence behind it. Yeah. We recorded over 5,000 minutes of content that's crazy to me <laughs> that's crazy yeah just 4800 of it was published yeah you have to think about all the stuff that hit the editing room floor and there's some directors cut, cut versions it, and right. things out there like we're yeah. just talking about what strictly hit our spotify feed yeah that's just yeah that's insane. and the year the year's not over yet that's just as of what it calculated as of like two weeks ago yeah, when the, we posted that the year in rewind or whatever yeah. it's called 
which is it is just crazy that wrapped for our podcast specifically. I just again to see that, and it turns out that uh, we we are big in some other countries. Oh. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I think Botswana. Uh, apparently, we are big there, and uh, we are the number one podcast in Botswana, from Farmington, Missouri. That is, of course. Yeah, and it turns out there's a celebrity over there called ATI. Yeah, apparently. And so we're getting confused with that celebrity. So well, it is funny because I will take that. Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> whatever, man. Um, Boswana, what's up? Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> you out there? have us come over. We'll be on TV. Hey, uh, meet your president, or we'll whatever be you more got. than happy to do some spots, guys. Just to fly us on over. <laughs> We'd love to get to know your culture, your people, especially if you'll uh, bring our entire families over. Yeah, hit us up, you man. Know? We're and down. We're down to take a month sabbatical, whatever you need from <laughs> us. Just let us know. Just as long as it's all expenses paid. So we'll be seeing you all there soon on the other no, side of the I, globe. What I was saying though is funny because after you told me about that, I got on Apple and I just searched ATI. I didn't put an ATI podcast, and there's another podcast. It's called. ATI and it's in another language, so I don't know if it's Botswana or I'll have to look yeah. at it and figure it out. But so we've had some shakeups too since we talked about season two with uh, some of our plans. Uh, but we've also procured a number of new guests for the show too that I'm very excited about. So I'm not really comfortable revealing what that programming is. But after the first year, we are going to uh, give some more details again about season two. Uh, I can say emphatically the very first live episode that's going to be recorded for season two is scheduled for February 9th. So same bat channel, same bat place on Twitch, probably around the 7 p.m. hour on a Thursday. Uh, we will be recording the very first episode of season two. But we've got a lot of new awesome guests that are coming in, some of which we have not talked about here. And I think it's going to help expand our audience and looking really forward to bringing forth the talents of some new folks to our listeners. So I think we've we've did this week justice. How about you, Josh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was excited to meet Miss Maxine and talk to her, so I think it was a great episode. Yep, and uh, and hopefully we get the opportunity to promote some of the things that Maxine has going on in the future. Again, check our social media. If, you know, if you're driving right now, we don't encourage anybody to be perusing on their phone, so right, it, it can wait, guys. Yeah, it'll be on our social media. It'll be in the episode details for you to check out later. But Maxine13.com for this week. I am Barrett at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter, and he's Josh underscore joshua welch on instagram and we are out of time good night and good luck and stay safe out there
Good luck with Dogecoin. So listen to this. There's a vaping device for pot that I, I mean, a friend of mine uses, which has a feature that allows you to turn it on from an app on your phone, even though it has a button right on the side that works just as well. Now, I'm not knocking this thing. I like it. I'm just not naming it on TV because, well, if you want the benefit of advertising, I have a podcast and the ad team would be happy to take your call. Anyway, the point is, anyone under 30 who sees the app feature thinks it's the eighth wonder of the world because it doesn't work the old-timey way by pushing a button. It's so cool because it's on the phone. Hey, kids, get a fucking clue. Just because it's on the phone doesn't make it cool. We think we're super technologically advanced when we push a button, but every time you click buy it now, a tree gets its wings. I know, we don't want to think about the kids that make it or the truck that brings it or the landfill where it ends up. We just want that T-shirt that says mindful. It's all so easy. You clicked on the picture of the hot dog toaster and it appeared at your door, ready for you to toss in the garage. But it didn't come without a cost. It came across the Pacific on a diesel-powered cargo monster spewing sulfur. The most downloaded shopping app in the United States is a Chinese company called Shein, which produces 6,000 new styles a day and ships them direct from their warehouse in Guangdong to the 22-year-old in your basement who thinks they're an influencer. (laughs) Shein is part of a new industry called fast fashion, which specializes in clothing that will absolutely, positively fall apart if you so much as look at it wrong. (laughs) And that's deliberate. These clothes are made cheap, real cheap, out of the flimsiest materials because apparently now Gen Z and millennials like to buy clothes, wear them once, and throw them away. The average U.S. consumer now throws out 80 pounds of clothing each year. I hear a lot about how my generation has ruined the environment. I don't think it's my generation that's doing this. And for what? So you can hear someone say, nice dress, is that paper? So, look, the CDC made it official last week. We don't have to stay six feet apart anymore. You're free to move around the country. We're no longer on active sneezer alert. (laughs) And they've turned off the tighten your asshole sign. (laughs) Go out and play. Go to the mall. Our social skills are atrophying while we one-click ourselves into oblivion. Amazon's in its prime, but you're wasting yours.